Just wanted to uh, jump in here and continue on with our series, Seven Must Wins for Men. And this morning, it'll be a lot of fun because uh, this is one that we've got to win. We've got to win primarily not just for us, but for others. I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where you have uh, been by someone's bedside as they're passing away or possibly gone by and visited them in their house or in their home, you know, a day or two or two weeks or but you know that, that the end is nearing and they're right at the end of their life and yet they're still praising the Lord. This was my grandmother, still praising the Lord. They're happy to be here. They're happy for every day they get. Even though they're suffering, there's some way that they find uh, a way to rejoice in their suffering. And that's because of the faith that they have. You know, I had a man tell me, and this is going to be very important. You know, Jesus says it this way. He says, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there and it shall be so and nothing will be impossible for you. And he says this in Matthew chapter 17, 20. And yet, how many times do we come against impossibilities, what seem to be impossible? Can we still have faith in those times of an impossible situation? Because men, here's what happens when I stand by those bedsides and, and all the things over the years and thinking about lost loved ones and not just family members, I, I mean church members, I've done this for several years now, I've been beside several beds and prayed for many people that I wanted the mountain of death to be removed and see them walk in life and it just didn't happen, not here. And so, but my faith is increased by watching them. And this is why as men, our faith must increase to a point where we can be that person. I know several right now that have cancer or different types of diseases that they're currently fighting, and one in particular sends me scriptures, usually about once a week, and she's fighting for her life, and yet she she's praising God, sending me scriptures, telling me about the life that she's living, and that time that increases my faith, and so a must win as men is a life of faithfulness, a life of faith. And so today I'm going to be talking about true faith. Why don't you join me in a word of prayer and we'll, we'll get started from here on. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this message. Lord, as we go through this message, help us to be faithful men. Men of faith, men who actually see mountains move and yet increase other people's faith when we uh, face trial, trial and fiery times in our own lives, Father. Help us to, to not get burned but simply be refined by the fire so that others may see and others may glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've talked about the authority of Scripture. We've talked about faith righteousness. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about worship. And today, we're going to be hitting true faith, what true faith really looks like. You know, every day you make decisions based upon your belief system. Some of you believe that it's worth your time to get up on Tuesday mornings. Others of you are not here. <laughs> Because it's not worth their time, right? I mean, we, we, we've got to do better. We've, we've got to uh, uh, make phone calls, give an invitation, maybe teach a little stronger. But, but we make decisions based upon our belief systems every day. Something is, is either holding up our belief system or something is pouring into our belief system. Something's making us stronger or if we're not careful, things will make us weaker. The culture or how we choose to live out this life will make us weaker. So today I want to talk about true faith because it's what makes Christianity different from any other religion. You know, in any other religion, there is no faith. You, you might believe in it, but you don't have necessarily faith in it. Buddha 
is not going to save you. Hare Krishna is not going to help you out in your time of need. But today our Savior lives and our faith is in something living. So our faith, or someone living, a God who lives, so our faith should be increasing because our God is increasing in us. And He's given us more capacity to accept and realize and recognize that He is living and He is living inside of us. And this should increase our faith daily. See, there's many conceptions about faith, but basically there's a couple of things I want to cover today. Lifestyle decisions. Lifestyle decisions based upon how we choose to live our life is going to impact our faith. Maybe you were raised uh, with knowing the golden rule. You know, you treat others as you want to be treated. But here's the truth. You grow up, you get a sales job, you find out that your company wants you not to tell the whole truth. I met with somebody about this just the other day, uh, a man who was being challenged in, in having to bend the truth in order to make numbers line up. And he was encouraged, just continue to do this and, and you'll be fine. And he said, I can't do it. I can't fudge the numbers. I, it's not right. It's not who I am. And so he was being challenged in this way and he decided that he would step away from the job. Now, for, for all of us, at some point in time, we begin to run into these places in our life where if we're not careful, our lifestyle decisions, if we'll just fudge a little bit, we'll make that greater check, that bigger check. And if we won't tell the whole truth, just a little bit of the truth, then, then we'll be able to continue in our job. We're not hurting anyone, so to speak. But this lifestyle decision based upon me affects and ultimately will impact my faith. See, so what do you do? Do you quit your job? Um, or maybe you believe possibly how I was raised wasn't necessarily true. We, we fudged that a little bit, and I'm not going to treat others as I want to be treated. I'll treat them just a little bit different. You know, I've decided to stay in the company of what we're doing and in the company of, of maybe bad. Bad company corrupts good morals, 1 Corinthians 10.33. It also corrupts our faith. And so we, we have to pay attention to our lifestyle decision. Why do we say yes to the things we say yes to? Because the things we say yes to and the things we say no to ultimately impact our faith. And, and that is on and for our lifestyle decisions, what we choose to do. Look, suddenly, sometimes our belief system uh, shifts. Why? Well, because we live in a culture that says shifted a little bit. I'll give you another example. You were taught that living together and being in a sexual relationship before you were married is wrong, but then you go off to college and you find out that, uh, man, people are living together doing all kinds of things. I mean, the parties at college, you got professors that say, hey, you can do it with any sex you want to. You, you, you've got this liberal theology that, that gets thrown out, and, and if you're not careful, if you don't have, if you're not grounded in your faith, right, you start making a lifestyle decision. Well, what do I do? I can hold to my conviction, or maybe what I believed simply wasn't true. I mean, after all, we love each other. Man, you know how many times I hear that. We love each other. Sometimes we got to redefine love, right? Look, love has parameters. <laughs> Sometimes correction is a form of love. Maybe I'll teach that next week, right? I, I think I could run with that for just a minute. But, but here's what happens. If we're not careful with our convictions, if we don't know who we are, then we'll start making exceptions. And what we won't realize is these exceptions that we make actually begin to deplete our faith to some degree 
And, and it begins to chip away and chip away and chip away to, to a place where we don't even know what we have faith in anymore. Just based on a lifestyle decision. We place our lifestyle decisions as primary in our life and adjust everything else accordingly. What benefits me most instead of what benefits God or others most? And then we have this thing called unexplainable circumstances. That's the other thing that I believe truly impacts our faith, men. Unexplainable circumstances. When life gets wiped out. When you're doing everything right and all of a sudden, boom, something hits you sideways. Years ago, I, I had a, and I'll get into to scriptures here in just a minute and give you some scriptures to run with. I started with Matthew 17, 20, and, and that's just a great one to kind of carry us, carry us through here. But years ago, years ago, I had a, a challenge in a, in a church that I was serving, and we had to, to, to turn the ship, and it was a big ship, and we, 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 I had to get some committed men around me, and there was a man who was simply black and white. I, I uh, did his funeral about three or four months ago there in Lubbock. If you're on 82nd Street and you're going west, 82nd Street's kind of up and coming street in Lubbock right now. And if you head west on 82nd Street and go under the overpass there as you're going into Wolferth, it changes from 82nd Street to Donald Preston Drive. And Donald Preston became a good friend of mine, but he was black and white. This guy would come to my office and he'd say, all right, Curtis, you for me or you against me? And he had a funny way to say it. He'd say against me. He wouldn't say against. He didn't call batteries batteries. He called them batteries. But Donald was just, uh, I mean, he was cut and dry. And, and I used to, eventually that saying would, would be changed. I would say, DP, are you with me? Because the name was Donald Preston. And he was just a doer. He was a get things done. He wanted to turn that ship, not yesterday. He wanted to turn it today. And so I drew out a little mission action plan. I put it before Donald. Donald looked at that and he said, Curtis, there's uh, two people, two types of people in the world. Now, if you add to this, you're going to find where the gray area is. So don't add to it. There are those who are for you, and there are those who are against you. Anyone in between can't be trusted. <laughs> and that's just where he said, you can trust those that are against you. They're just going to be against you, right? So you can put faith in them because they're against you. And they're going to keep that. They're going to stay right there. They're just going to be against you. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how well you lead. It doesn't matter. I mean, we love those people. We're going to do the best we can with them, but they're just against you, and you can trust that. And he said, then there are those that are 100% for you, and, and they're going to jump in, and I'm that guy. I, I'm in your boat. Dude, come on, lead. Let's, let's make this mission action plan happen. Let's move forward. Let's get this. Let's throw the sails up, right? And he was just 100% on board, move it. And that's just kind of the way he was. He was like this all the time. He said, you can trust those. You can trust. But the people that are in between, you better look out. I wouldn't put a lot of faith there. I learned a lot because through that, I found out that, that, that even those in between, what we were trying to do is bring them along to where they're yes or no type people. Jesus said, let your yes be, be yes, your no be no. Well, what does that have to do with our unexplainable circumstances because our yes must be to Christ regardless of the circumstance our yes is yes and our no is no and that increases our faith it also helps others know that we can be counted upon that our faith will carry us my no baby may be no today it may be yes tomorrow why I'm in Lubbock today I can't be there but tomorrow maybe I can right so a no and a yes. But this helps people see 
good character. They also help see our faith that we're listening to the Lord and we're, we're on your boat. We're, we're for you. And as you see this, it will increase your faith. You know, if, if you have cancer and, and somebody comes, comes up to you and says, I'm praying for you, what are they saying? I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you because I have faith for you. And I want you to have faith for you. But sometimes unexplainable circumstances, if, if we're paying attention more to the world than we are, God, an unexplainable circumstance, when it happens, it can wreck our faith. Why do bad things happen to good people? It happens. If God is so good, then why does my daughter have cancer? Why did I lose my job? We tithe, but we're broke. I get it. <laughs> but it doesn't change who God is. God is good. When God doesn't meet your expectations, your faith begins to fail because of life's circumstances. And this is called circumstantial faith. And circumstantial faith is dangerous. It will never uphold you in the hard times. Because your faith is simply built upon something that is all about you. And it's circumstantial. Sometimes life, life is random, man. <laughs> if you live long enough, you're going to find that out. Here's the other thing. If you live long enough, life is going to boil you out. It's going, to, it's going to test your faith. James tells us the testing of your faith produces what? Okay, I'll help you. Endurance. <laughs> the testing of your faith produces endurance. And so we're going to be tested. If you live long enough, your faith is going to be tested. There's some circumstances that happen that are out of our control because life can be random at times. You're not guaranteed another breath of life. And God doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us life. He's already died for our sins. He's done those things for us. He does not owe us anything. Jack Hayford's son, any of you know who Jack Hayford was or is? He was a famous preacher uh, for years, uh, kind of a word faith man, just an just awesome guy to, to listen to and pay attention to. But his son-in-law died suddenly right after he, he preached a, a message. Now, that, that's, that sounds like a terrible circumstance. I don't know if any of you saw uh, two, three years ago the pastor who was in the tank baptizing uh, and he was holding the mic and he got electrocuted. Did you see that? Yeah. You say it's a bad way to die. I don't know. <laughs> he was where he was supposed to be. Now, he probably shouldn't have been holding the mic. All right. But uh, he was doing God's work. He's doing the Lord's work. There's nothing guaranteed, right? Those types of things are unexpected. And, and here, Jack Hayford's son, I mean, he, son-in-law, he's, he's preaching and then immediately falls over dead. Sometimes things hit us even as Christians. Of course, that's life. We're not always good at interpreting our circumstances. If you have circumstantial faith, Sometimes we're led more by emotion in those situations, and emotion is not a great way to lead your life. Your emotions, listen, will lie to you. They will, <laughs> men. It's not a great way to be led. If we evaluate God based on our time, on our circumstances, and basically today, we may abandon our faith. We may abandon. Think about Joseph. Joseph had a couple of dreams, and, and in those dreams, he saw himself rising up to being a, a, a person, actually even over his brothers. Of all 11, he's going to be the one that, that actually rises up to power. And yet he's the youngest. He should have had no power. He should have not been given any authority, especially in Old Testament and their history. It was always the oldest son that received the inheritance. Anyhow, here's Joseph comes along. And says, hey, I had this dream. You guys were bowing down to me. 
Oh, yeah, we love you, Joseph. That's not what they said, right? As a matter of fact, what they wanted to do, they wanted to, to cast him out. So basically, they threw him in a cistern. They, they uh, sold him into slavery. They did all these things to him. So he sold into slavery. But during that time, he had to remember what God had spoken to him in those visions, in those dreams. And he had to hold on to that because his circumstances, if he would have had circumstantial faith when he was in the dungeon, when he was falsely accused, Potiphar's wife, if you remember the story at all, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, she, she made a move on Joseph. The scripture says he was very handsome. He was good looking. He was young. He was strong. He was wise, obviously, far above his years. And she said, hey, Joseph, why don't you come in here? I got a little something for you. Now, I don't have to interpret that, do I? I mean, men, it happens, right? Well, it hasn't happened to me, but I'm just saying. All right, and Joseph said no, and she had never been denied before. And so he said no, and he's falsely accused by her, and he winds up in a dungeon, and while he's in this dungeon, even, even then he interprets a dream, and he tells, he tells the, the cupbearer to, hey, remember me, and, and you remember that uh, he doesn't. He spends another two, three years down in the, in the prison, and while he's in the prison, uh, he cannot let go of his faith in God because circumstances didn't dictate who he was going to be one day. God did. And that's where God wants us to be in our faith, men. We can't just count on our circumstances. If life is good for you, praise God. Praise God that life is good and you're in a great season right now. There's nothing wrong with having God's praises on your lips. You should. But, but we know that as we live throughout life, that life does tend to, to, to have a, a constant, and it's a constant testing, kind of a constant boiling, and, and eventually we'll get boiled to some degree. Eventually life is going to come at us. It's not going to make sense. A wife is going to leave. Sometimes death happens unexpectedly. Sometimes diagnosis happens, and we weren't ready for that. We weren't prepared for that. You cannot have circumstantial faith. We have to put our faith and trust in God and God alone. You ever thought, what if Paul had circumstantial faith? He wrote nearly 70% of the New Testament, but look at his circumstances. He took four journeys. On those four journeys, during that time, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was placed in prison, he was shipwrecked, he was bitten by a snake. You remember that? They were waiting. They stood around waiting for him to die. Something had to happen. He just got bit by this poisonous snake. He just tore it off his arm, threw it in the fire. But he had his eyes fixed on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His circumstances didn't dictate his faith. When he was threatened to be killed, to die is gain is what he said. Okay, we'll let you live. And he said this, to live is Christ. We'll put you in prison. He said, give me a hymnal and I'll convert your guards as well. That was Paul. That's how he worked. What's at stake if we don't win here? Everything's at stake. Your children, I'll say it this way, our children are watching us, men. Our children in the church, you're gonna, I'm, I'm going to start the week after next, a short little mini-series coming into uh, fatherhood talking about the importance of fathers because we live in an orphan state. We don't even recognize it or realize it, even in our churches today. And we need church fathers we need men of great faith to lead our church and to lead our children. That's what's at stake. See, we begin to change what we believe because sometimes we, we want to make a lifestyle decision. We want our lifestyle to change. So maybe if I just, just uh, change some things here, but that eats away at your faith. Sometimes we place our lifestyle decisions as primary in our life and adjust everything else accordingly. 
Sometimes we allow circumstances, unexplainable circumstances, to give us an excuse to, to somewhat walk away from our faith. But that's not who God is, and that's not what he wants for us. He wants us to be men of great faith, and we have to win this. Not only do we win it for our church, but we win it for our families, for our wives, for our children. See, my faith is in Jesus. And this is what I know, that Jesus is good. Our faith has to be in Christ. <clears throat> he is the rock of our salvation. He is the Gibraltar of our faith. True faith is not our experience. It's not what God does or doesn't do for us. It's not an answered prayer or an unanswered prayer. True faith is this, Hebrews 4.14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. See, the Hebrews were in a place even that they kind of wanted to give up. But the author of Hebrews says, wait, hold fast. Hold fast to your confession. We have in history a person who came to this earth, Jesus, pulled the flesh upon him. He's fully God, but pulled the flesh on him. He lived among men, he offered himself, he died for our sins, was raised from the dead, was seen by over 500 witnesses, he ascended into heaven. In other words, the foundation of our faith is a person who is God and his name is Jesus Christ. My own sister asked me this past week, she said, Curtis, uh, um, she was asking me some questions about God and about faith and this type of thing, and, and she said, uh, I was explaining it this way, that that." that Jesus came and experienced everything that we could possibly experience and overcame anything that we could not for us. She said, is that right? Did I say it right? And I said, I think you summed it up a lot quicker than I can. That's a lot better than what I could say, but that's exactly what he's done. Yes. So God understands our situation. God understands our circumstances, but he doesn't want our situations or our circumstances to define our faith. He should be the one that defines our faith. Faith is not your life experience. It's not your circumstances, good or bad. It is not whether or not God heals. It is not the size of your bank account. It's not your ability to interpret your circumstances. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy who was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where our faith is. Hebrews 12. I, I taught a deal years ago, wrote a curriculum called Knights of the Round Table and uh, Court for short. And I had those kids memorize this scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So important for our faith. We've got an anchor right there. My faith is not in my ability to interpret my circumstances. It is in a person who came from me 2,000 years ago in history. If you're going to apply this, I would say apply it this way. James 1.16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He does not change. We do. We can change. Our emotions can change. We can get hit today with something out of, the, out of the ordinary, and it can change us, but he does not change. And he says, don't be deceived. God is good, and he gives good gifts to his children. I don't know why a husband comes home after 20 years of marriage and decides to end it. 
I don't know why a man would suddenly lose his, his wife in a car wreck. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't understand those things. But what I do know is that God is good and he gives good gifts and he takes care of his children, both in this life and the life to come. It doesn't mean everything will be perfect. It doesn't mean we won't be challenged. And it doesn't mean the water won't ever get hot because it will. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. There's a story that I'll end with. Um, and you guys can go and check me on this and, and it may frustrate you and you may say it's not true and I don't know if it is or not. There's a man in Scripture in the book of Revelation by the name of Antipas. And as you study and, and you read about Antipas, you have to go to the apocryphal acts to kind of kind of pull out as much as you can about this person. But Antipas supposedly was, was eventually brought into a Roman Colosseum with his wife and children, and they were going to burn them at the stake before they burned him. And as they brought him into the Colosseum, they, they put his wife at the stake first and lit the fire around her, and he began to, to, to encourage her. Keep Christ in front of you. Keep Christ before you. I will see you soon. And he kept on encouraging to the point that supposedly he was shouting to her, keep the faith, keep the faith. And the Colosseum was supposedly so moved from watching him encourage his wife going through such persecution, from watching his faith that many in the Colosseum began to believe in his faith. That's, that's the story of him. Whether or not it's, it's true, we do see him in the, uh, the book of Revelation. And, and, and what we know is that he was a man of great faith. Men, life is short. And if we'll keep that in mind, we'll, we'll begin to steward it well. And the better we steward it, the more we grow in our faith and the more we encourage others as they watch us go through the trials and temptations in life. But we never veer to the left or to the right, but look straight ahead. It is a must win for men of God. Father God, thank you for these men. Hold them close this morning as we go through the questions, Father. Simple questions this morning. Uh, Lord, I think that's what you're trying to say in Matthew 17, 20. It's a simple faith, the faith the size of a mustard seed. It's, it doesn't belong to us. It's faith in you, and you increase our faith. You give us the faith of a mustard seed to move those mountains and to walk through them when necessary. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.